Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate, and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're going to be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture, and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on today's podcast. Today is a really special uh, event for me. So this is the first of many, I hope, uh, bonus episodes where you are going to get to hear from a, a guest. And today's guest is Jennifer Barker. She founded the organization in Missouri called Informed Health Choice Missouri. Jennifer is a great friend of mine. I met her at the Capitol in the spring of 2021, and I'm really excited to introduce her to you this morning. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Jody, for having me. I appreciate being on. Yeah, well, I love what you do. You were one of the first people that I met at the Capitol. And so I'm excited to introduce you to my followers and my friends and hope that uh, they will plug into your efforts and be supportive of all of the things you do. You're a really critical part of the grassroots here in Missouri. But before we really get into the organization, uh, you just want to share with everybody about you, your background, your whatever part of your testimony you want to share. I just want you to feel free. I believe that you know, Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I just want to give you the platform this morning to share whatever you'd like. Sure. Thank you. So uh, I became an advocate in 2016. And that's what really, I should have way longer than that because my daughter was injured by the DTAP vaccination at the age of two months in 2010. And I had been researching vaccinations a little bit prior to that, but I didn't have enough information under my belt to feel comfortable with completely um, saying no to all vaccinations. And so when she was born, she I denied the hepatitis B vaccination, but she did get the vitamin K shot, which now I've learned more about and wished we hadn't done. And then at her two-month vaccination, her two-month pediatrician visit, the pediatrician had told us he was on board with us pushing all of this off until she was age two, but ended up uh, arming, twist, arming, twisting my arm, and I caved and gave the DTAP and the rotavirus. So uh, that really shifted me into research mode, and I haven't stopped since. And so I just, the information I was gathering, I knew that other people needed to know. Uh, abortion has always been a very huge issue, and I know that God put me on a mission to stand up for life in the womb and out. And so once I started learning about the connection of aborted fetal cells and vaccinations, I had a very clear picture of what my mission was. Mm-hmm. So that's how Informed Health Choice Missouri then birthed in 2016, and we've just been chugging along since then. Mm-hmm. So your daughter um, got some of those early vaccinations and she had a reaction, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. 
So again, in the hospital, we only gave vitamin K, but you know, I didn't keep a super close eye on her, uh, her, um, the labor I had was 23 hours long. I was trying to do natural birth. I didn't cave and get an epidural until a couple hours before that, <laughs> before she was born. So, um, I really needed a lot of rest and they would take her often out of the room. So I could, uh, so that my husband and I both could, but I would do that so differently. When I had my second child, he never left my side because we don't really know. You never know what's going to happen when they're out of your sight. And we've heard horror stories. So I hope that she didn't receive hepatitis B. I really don't. It doesn't show up in her records. Mm -hmm. But then at that two-month visit, she got the DTAP, which is diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, and the rotavirus vaccination. And so... Uh, we it was shortly after those two that we started noticing a lot of issues and the farm the uh, pediatrician kept telling us it had no relation to the vaccinations when my gut was saying yes it does and the more research I would do I just I knew that's what it was mm -hmm. but it wasn't until she was four and a half years old that I we finally found a MAPS doctor that said, yes, she's suffering from autoimmune encephalitis. Mm. She, you know, the most likely the vaccinations caused brain swelling. When she told us what that looked like, we knew that's exactly what she had experienced. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so sorry that uh, you guys went through that, but I'm so thankful that you connected the dots and praise the Lord, your daughter's doing well today. Very well. Yeah, um, very well. And through all of that suffering, really your suffering, you came to create this organization here in Missouri. So tell us about Informed Health Choice Missouri and what you do and, um, you know, your goals and your mission. Mm -hmm. So Informed Health Choice Missouri is a grassroots advocate, advocacy organization. We educate and empower individuals to make medical decisions freely and without coercion. We want people to understand what informed consent is, that informed consent is knowing the risks, the benefits, and any alternatives to any medical procedure. And vaccination is definitely a medical procedure. And so that's mainly our focus because that's that's usually when people are coerced into doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some things like cancer treatments and different things that we sometimes dabble on, but for the most part, we have parents that are concerned about vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And we want every citizen to be armed with all of the information that they need to make educated choices for themselves and their families and be really comfortable and confident in their choices. Right. So one of the reasons that I love your organization is that, you know, when I came to the Capitol and met you, I... Um, I've got four boys and, and like you, you know, we look back, I didn't know a lot of the things I know now when my boys were tiny and getting some of these vaccinations, but, um, you know, I didn't even realize exactly legally what informed choice it really is. And so I really appreciated getting to know you and really understanding um, having a better understanding of my rights, the things that I should be informed of before these things, um, you know, before I make a choice. I just, uh -huh. I didn't even realize, even though I had come to learn about some of the vaccines and things, I really didn't understand, um, you know, what informed consent truly really is. And I think that a lot of people don't understand what 
real informed consent is. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely agree with that. I think that uh, the way that it should look is that when you say, for instance, the day that I took my daughter to that visit at two months, the vaccinations that they wanted to give her, I should, they should give me the information so that I know what are the benefits? How is this going to benefit her? What are the risks? What are the possible things that could go wrong? And if I decide not to do this vaccination or vaccines, what are my alternatives to that? Mm -hmm. And they didn't give me any of the, I'm sorry, they did. They gave me what the benefits were. They did not talk about risks and they did not talk about alternatives. Mm -hmm. And so that's not true informed consent. Informed consent is you're, that person is informing me of those things and then I'm consenting or I'm not consenting. Right. Right. I think that a lot of parents, um, even if they have some hesitations, they believe that their, their children have to get or they're required to get these vaccines um, to go to daycare and to go to school. Um, so can you speak to that issue a little bit, what the truth is about the statutes here in Missouri and um you know, what freedoms we actually have in regard to childcare and school. Absolutely. So uh, the schools, if they're private schools and they accept public funding, or if they're public schools, they have to accept exemptions. And daycares, uh, preschools that have over 10 children, they have to accept uh, religious exemptions <clears throat> or medical exemptions. And so... Every single person has the right to say, my child does not need these vaccinations to go to school, or my child, I want to do, maybe they just want to do polio vaccine. Maybe right. they want to choose. Um, or maybe they want to do them all. They just don't want to do the COVID shot. Mm -hmm. So they have that right. There are some private schools, if they're 100% private, then they can decide whether they want to accept exemptions or not. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, I would not want to be in a private school that doesn't accept because that's, I, I don't want to be in the environment. Mm -hmm. And of course, your child's going to have to get their shots in order to go. Right. I think one of the things, one of the questions that comes up when I start talking about exemptions, especially religious exemptions, is that people will say, well, Jody." This isn't a religious belief. My church isn't against vaccines. So they don't feel like they have a right to a religious exemption because it's not built into the theology of the church that they're going to. So can you speak to what a religious exemption truly means um, according to our statute? Mm -hmm. Yes, you don't need to be part of any organized religion. You don't need to be affiliated um, to have or have an agreement with any leaders of your religion and able to, in order to submit a religious exemption. So according to the law, religion, religious beliefs refers to your own personal, individual, God-given conscience. And you, so you don't have to say, I would hope that you're a Christian, like that I'm a Christian mm -hmm. and, and I want everyone to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but not everyone does. And you don't have to be a Christian in order to uh, exercise that exemption, you don't um, have to 
have it signed off by a pastor. Many people thought when I first got uh, involved in helping with exemptions, the times in order to have a Oh, Jennifer, I can't hear you. Are you there? Are you there? Jennifer? Oh, we've lost Jennifer. Hang on just a second. Are you there? Yes. Okay, there you're back. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to our connection, but... Okay, so that we don't have... In order to have a religious exemption, it does not mean that your pastor has to agree with you or that you have to have any paperwork signed off of, you know, by your church. This is your own personal deeply held belief that's all that matters is that correct correct yeah I think that's really important because even in our situation with COVID when people were trying to get exemptions um, religious exemptions in the state of Missouri um, as far as schools and colleges and things they honored those even some even uh, some businesses were honoring uh, religious exemptions for employees but then we had we had businesses who would say, well, you can have a religious exemption, but your pastor has to sign off on it. And correct. that's actually not correct. Um, I mean, a private business can do what they want, but according to the statute, religious your religious belief is not associated with your church. It's your own individual deeply held belief. Correct. And it's a totally different thing in an employer situation than in a school situation, a public school or private school accepting funding. Right. There's, it's definitely different. Um, we had a lot of employees that came to us wanting help with exemptions to certain hospital systems in the state. And, uh, there's, I don't know if I should mention the name, but there is a hospital system that's not, they're considered a, um, religious organization Mm -hmm. and, they were able to deny and they did deny. I should, I don't know if I should say they were able because they, I still did not believe that they were correct to do it, but they were denying religious exemptions left and right mm-hmm. and denying met. And most of the hospital systems denied medical exemptions, which just appalled me. Right. It all does, but uh, there was a nurse that had a uh, brain tumor recently had a uh, brain tumor removed. The oncologist had wrote a medical exemption for her for the COVID shot and they denied it. Mm. So it was so frustrating, but I remember during that time, you and your organization were such a help to citizens who were looking for information. They were looking for help in writing those exemptions and putting it all together Um, You and your organization did a great job supporting Missourians and even supporting the healthcare workers who were struggling with the vaccine issues. And so I just, I'm so appreciative of your efforts. I know you have a team of people at your organization who, you know, just come alongside you in all sorts of ways, but you guys worked so hard to really um, empower Missourians to be able to stand up for their rights and um, and steward their freedom in that way, you know, and I just commend you for that. I'm, I'm so thankful for you and all that you do. Well, thank you. I'm 
so thankful for you and we're a fierce group of truth warriors we just want to make sure that people know what their rights are that they're not trampled on and we want to end that illusion that people have no choice in medical and healthcare decisions right right um so let's shift gears a little bit and let me uh, just ask, you are involved so much in health freedom. I know that's your main focus and your first passion, but I know that you have also gotten involved in other issues um, in regard to state government and even in your local government. You're active in the community where you're at. And um, I want to ask you a question because I know that you you are someone who has experience and you understand the the inner workings of Missouri politics. If you could say that, what would you say is really Missouri's um, highest priority or biggest issue or problem right now? Uh, well, I think when I think what our biggest problem is in Missouri, I think it's in every state is that people aren't involved. But people don't understand how government is set up to work. They don't understand the United States Constitution and the Missouri Constitution or their state constitution. They don't understand the governing documents of their local government. And I think that's the biggest problem. That's why the government gets away with what they do, because people aren't holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. And so what would your suggestion be to people who... You know, they're frustrated. I know you experience this too. People that I talk to, they're frustrated. They see that things aren't working. They don't really know what to do about it. Um, but they are frustrated. They know that something's wrong. Um, and they can see, gosh, especially in the last couple of years, uh, you know, just how we're struggling. So what would your suggestion be to people who are like, well, I'd like to do something, but I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that it's so important that you're finding community. We have uh, monthly meetings. We meet in person. We have weekly Zoom calls. We have um, meetings that we do on a local level for our counties. We have at our church. We do civic engagement program. Um, you can go to county council meetings, you can go to your township meetings, just being involved. And the more that you, uh, when I first started going to, when I first jumped in to uh, civic engagement, I was going to county council meetings. And you just learn by going and being mm-hmm. there, then you meet like minded people, and you start to uh, learn more from them. I think our church has been amazing. I really hope that we can get, we're trying to get a blueprint put together of how we do our civic engagement program. And I think that if we can get more churches doing that, um, it's so important to uh, be linked with Christians and doing this together. And education is huge. Educating our members of these governing documents, because when you know your rights, then you can stand firm in them. Our governments, we the people, and it's it's bottom up, it's not top down. Right. And when people understand how much power they have, once I realized the power of going and speaking that three-minute speech up at the podium at a county council meeting in St. Louis County, 
And whether they listened to me or not, it was empowering to know that I had that ability to communicate with them and to be put on the record of what I believed and needed to be done. And once you start to feel that I am, I have that power and God wants me, that's my civic duty. He wants me to do this as part of my community. It's electrifying. Right. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that this is one area that the church, uh, and I don't want to be a church basher, but generally speaking, I know you're a part of a congregation that has done really great things, especially, um, you know, recently. But generally speaking, across the religious system of America, um, they have failed at helping people be empowered to steward or to occupy. Um, You know, we're told to occupy until his return. And that doesn't mean sitting on the couch and doing nothing uh, in regard to government. And I, I think that the church believers have really believed a lie that was fed to them, honestly, by the government, I think, in a large, in a large part, um, when the Johnson Act passed, you know, and the churches had to um, file as a 501c3, and that meant that they could no longer talk about politics, or they lose their tax status. You know, then generations later, decades later, we have a group of believers who are assuming and believing that the church can't speak up and they've been taught that it's not important and that, you know, it's not biblical that somehow the government is separated from our faith. And I think that is such a lie. That is such a lie. And how can we, unfortunately, you know, um, like you said, when you go, if you just, if you just pray and ask the Lord, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to start? Uh, you know, then he opens doors, right? Like you meet people and you learn new things, just like you said. So um, I'm in total agreement with that. But once you start, um, then it's just incredible. The doors that open and um, the, the, the effect that you can have. Um, and it really doesn't take much to have an effect to build relationships, to start learning And when you start to educate, especially believers, um, you know, even in simple things like I was not aware that the evangelical church does not vote well. Um, Unfortunately, Christians don't even show up in large numbers to vote. Uh And that's so disheartening. Um, That really is our duty. Um, civic duty, and I believe it's what God would have us to do. It's taking responsibility and stewarding well the gift that he gave us. So even if it's just educating, you know, your fellow uh, believers, your friends and your family at church about how to get registered to vote and when election day is and how that works and encouraging them to go vote, I'm helping them to be educated voters, even if you just influence a small circle in your own congregation or your own neighborhood, you know, that's so impactful if we were multiplying those efforts across the state. Absolutely. So I know that um, that's really my heart and one of the big priorities of my ministry 
is to gather believers, to gather believers, help empower believers uh, to steward their freedom in a way that maybe they haven't done before. So um, I love Grace Church, um, where you're attending, and I'm praying that, um, you know, like Grace, we can really reach out to more pastors and more congregations to, um, to help them educate their membership, um, even if it's simple things like the Constitution and elections and how to vote, um, getting them, helping them be educated about the elections that, that they're voting in. So I think uh-huh. that's such a high priority. I agree with you. Um, so let's talk about one more thing. And I okay. know we've talked about it privately, but um, I know that you've spent a lot of time inside the Capitol in Jefferson City getting to know legislators, lobbying on particular things. And, you know, this issue, I've done a couple of other podcasts about it before, but um, let's talk about the House rules. Okay. And how important they are and the effect that they're having on Missouri. What do you think is um, important for people to know about the rules of the House and what could they do to influence their representative do you think Mm -hmm. so i think that the way that the rules have evolved over decades it's given more and more power to one man where now we have the speaker of the house uh, that pretty much controls everything and our representatives do not have a voice they are we elect them to go and represent our voice and they are not able to do that at all because the speaker, whatever he wants is what will happen. And they all bow down to that for the most part. There are very few that actually vote the way that their constituents are asking or needing them to. So I think it's really important that everyone gets to know who their house rep is, who their state senator is, and that you form relationships with them. And that doesn't, I mean, if you can go to Jefferson City and see them in their office, that's amazing. And it's really impactful to do. But you can meet with them in town. Like if they're your representative, they're your neighbor. So you can go to their events in town or or email with them, just get to know them and and make sure that they know what your needs are because that's what their job is, is to represent uh, what your needs are. So they're not able to do that currently, the way that the house rules are. So I highly encourage that you get to know who your representatives are and then help them understand that their power has been stripped from them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you can look these house rules up on the website You can look at the Senate rules on the Mm -hmm. Senate website and you can see how uh, they've stripped power away from your representatives. Right. And I know that, you know, there are probably a lot of people who don't really understand what the rules are and even what that means. But the Mm -hmm. House rules or the Senate rules really dictate the function of the House or the Senate. They're what lay out um, the policy in regard to how those chambers function, how bills pass, 
um, the jobs of each of the leadership positions, how they choose committees, how they choose committee chairs, who gets to choose those things. Um, so the rules actually dictate the process of how legislation passes. And right now we have a situation where, like Jennifer said, there's one man at the top of the pyramid and he pretty much holds all the power. And regardless of who that person is, honestly, you know, mm-hmm. currently we have a Speaker of the House. His name is Dean Plocker. Um, the Senate President Pro Tem is Caleb Rowden. Um, and I don't, they're not my favorite legislators by any stretch of the means. But the real truth is, is even if we had good conservatives in those offices, the rules are not set up for the benefit of the people. And the rules can be changed and they can be changed by the representatives themselves. They are the ones who create and vote on the rules. So I'm, um, that's a topic that I think is important and that would be really beneficial for our citizens to start having conversations with their representatives about the rules. Now they make all kinds of excuses about, um, about it and why they can't change it and why it doesn't need to be changed. But the bottom line is um, those excuses uh, are really given because they are in such positions. They're honestly, I feel like Jennifer, and I don't know if you would agree or not, but it's almost like they're afraid to upset the speaker. So if they start speaking out against the rules, they're basically speaking out against the speaker and once you start to do that, because he has so much power, they, they are penalized. They suffer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like an overbearing, controlling parent. Yeah. You, the, that child is so scared to, to go against anything that the parent is dictating in the house because they know what the repercussions are going to be. Right, right. Well, if you do have questions about the rules, Jennifer um, is very knowledgeable about the rules, and I know that she would welcome questions and that she would love to help you understand. You can also reach out to me if you have questions about the rules or um, if you need ideas about how to connect, if you need help connecting with your legislators, uh, we can definitely help you do that. Jennifer, how can people get connected with you and your group and participate in what you're doing Um, If their passion um, is health freedom like yours is, how can they get involved? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can go to our website. Our website is, it's a .info site. So it's IHCM.info. So that stands for Informed Health Choice Missouri. Uh, And then on our website, you can contact us. You can find, we have resources on there like doctors, exemption information, all different kinds of resources. We are on most all social media, Facebook, Telegram, Twitter, Instagram. Um, We also have signal chats if you have the signal app. Um, So those are all different ways that you can connect. We also have monthly meetings we hold in St. Louis. Um, So that information, reach out, we can get that information into your hands. And we do weekly Zoom calls. Awesome. You just do so much. I appreciate you so much for taking time to be with me today. And I really encourage you if you're listening, um, if, if health freedom is important to you, 
I really encourage you to reach out to Jennifer, at least check out the website, see all the things that they're doing, and try to find a time when you can plug in and start to learn from her team at Informed Health Choice Missouri. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to let you go so you can get on about your busy day, but I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for all that you do and for being here with me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate being on and appreciate you too, Jody. God bless. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and I hope you enjoyed the episode with Jennifer. I'd like to take just a couple minutes and invite you to an event that we're having October 21st in Warrensburg, Missouri at the JC Cowboy Church. It's called Awakening at the Wall and it's going to be a great time of prayer, worship, a message from scripture. And I'm going to bring you some information that you haven't heard before about the 2023 legislative session the votes. You're going to hear from Alex Manford. She is from Cass County. She's got a podcast over there. And we're even going to talk about child trafficking, what that looks like in Missouri. And we're going to have a couple of guests. Senator Rick Bratton and Senator Denny Hoskins are going to join us as well. So I hope that you'll go to the website at jodygrace.com, register for our event in Warrensburg, and we'll see you there. Hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for being here.